0: In the distance behind the visitor stands were two practice fields, one with lights. No other school in the state had such a luxury, but then no other town worshipped its football as thoroughly and collectively as Messina. Neely could hear a coach's whistle and the thump and grunts of bodies hitting each other as the latest Spartan team got ready for Friday night. He walked through the gate and across the track, painted dark green, of course. The end-zone grass was manicured and suitable for putting, but there were a few wild sprigs inching up the goalpost, and there was a patch or two of weeds in one corner, and now that he had noticed, Neely looked even closer, and saw untrimmed growth along the edge of the track. In the glory days, dozens of volunteers gathered every Thursday afternoon and combed the field with gardening shears. "'snipping out every wayward blade of grass. "'The glory days were gone. "'They left with Rake. "'Now Messina football was played by mortals, "'and the town had lost its swagger. "'Coach Rake had once cursed loudly "'at a well-dressed gentleman "'who committed the sin of stepping "'onto the sacred Bermuda grass of the field. "'The gentleman backtracked, "'then walked around the sideline,' And when he drew closer, Rake realized he had just cursed the mayor of Messina. The mayor was offended. Rake didn't care. No one walked on his field. The mayor, unaccustomed to being cursed, set in motion an ill-fated effort to fire Rake, who shrugged it off. The locals defeated the mayor four to one as soon as his name appeared on the next ballot. In those days, Eddie Rake had more political clout in Messina than all the politicians combined, and he thought nothing of it. Neely stuck to the sideline, slowly made his way toward the home stands, Then he stopped cold and took a deep breath as the pregame jitters hit him hard. The roar of a long-ago crowd came back, a crowd packed tightly together up there, in the bleachers, with a band in the center of things, blaring away, With its endless renditions of the Spartan fight song. And on the sideline, just a few feet away, he could see number 19 nervously warming up as the mob worshipped him. Number 19 was a high school All-American, a highly recruited quarterback with a golden arm, fast feet, plenty of size, maybe the greatest Messina ever produced. Number 19 was Neely Crenshaw in Another Life. He walked a few steps along the sideline, stopped at the fifty where Rake had coached hundreds of games, and looked again at the silent bleachers where ten thousand people once gathered on Friday nights to pour their emotions upon a high school football team. The crowds were half that now, he'd heard. Fifteen years had passed since number nineteen had thrilled so many. Fifteen years since Neely had played on the sacred turf. How many times had he promised himself he would never do what he was now doing? How many times had he sworn he would never come back? On a practice field in the distance, a coach blew a whistle and someone was yelling, but Neely barely heard it. Instead, he was hearing the drum core of the band and the raspy, unforgettable voice of Mr. Bo Michael on the public address and the deafening sound of the bleachers rattling as the fans jumped up and down and he heard Rake bark and growl, though his coach seldom lost his cool in the heat of battle. The cheerleaders were over there, bouncing, chanting, short skirts, tights, tanned and firm legs. Neely had his pick back then. His parents sat on the 40, eight rows down from the press box. He waved at his mother before every kickoff. She spent most of the game in prayer, certain he would break his neck. The college recruiters got passes to a row of chairback seats on the 50 prime seating. Someone counted 38 scouts for the Garnet Central game, all there to watch number 19. Over a hundred colleges wrote letters. His father still kept them. 31 offered full scholarships. When Neely signed with Tech, there was a press conference and headlines. 10,000 seats up in the bleachers for a town with a population of 8,000. The math had never worked, but they piled in from the county, from out in the sticks, where there was nothing else to do on a Friday night. They got their paychecks and bought their beer, and they came to town, to the field where they clustered in one raucous pack at the north end of the stands, and made more noise than the students, the band, and the townsfolk combined. When he was a boy, his father had kept him away from the north end. Those county people down there, were drinking and sometimes fighting, and they yelled foul language at the officials. A few years later, number 19 adored the racket made by those county people, and they certainly adored him. The bleachers were silent now, waiting. He moved slowly down the sideline, hands stuck deep in his pockets, a forgotten hero whose star had faded so quickly. The Messina quarterback for three seasons. Over a hundred touchdowns. He had never lost on this field. The games came back to him, though he tried to block them out. Those days were gone, he told himself for the hundredth time. Long gone. In the south end zone, the Boosters had erected a giant scoreboard, and mounted around it on large white placards with bold green lettering was the history of Messina football. And thus the history of the town. Undefeated seasons in 1960 and 61, when Rake was not yet 30 years old. Then in 1964, the streak began, with perfect seasons for the rest of that decade and into the next. A month after Neely was born in 1970, Messina lost to South Wayne in the state championship, and the streak was over. Eighty-four wins in a row, a national record at the time. And Eddie Rake was a legend at the age of 39. Neely's father had told him of the unspeakable gloom that engulfed the town in the days after that loss, as if 84 straight victories were not enough. It was a miserable winter, but Messina endured. Next season, Rake's boys went 13-0 and slaughtered South Wayne for the state title. Other state championships followed in '74, '75. And 79. Then the drought. From 1980 until 1987, Neely's senior year, Messina went undefeated each season, easily won its conference and playoffs, only to lose in the state finals. There was discontent in Messina. The locals in the coffee shops were not happy. The old timers longed for the days of the streak. Some school in California won ninety in a row, and the entire town of Messina was offended. To the left of the scoreboard, on green placards with white lettering, were the tributes to the greatest of all Messina heroes. Seven numbers had been retired, with Neely's number nineteen being the last. Next to it was number fifty-six, worn by Jesse Trapp, a linebacker who played briefly at Miami, then went to prison. In 1974, Rake had retired number 81, worn by Roman Armstead, the only Messina Spartan, to play in the NFL. Beyond the south end zone was a field house that any small college would envy. It had a weight room and lockers and a vistas dressing room with carpet and showers. It, too, was built by the boosters after an intense capital campaign that lasted one winter and consumed the entire town. No expense was spared not for the Messina Spartans football team. Coach Rake wanted weights and lockers and coaches' offices, and the boosters practically forgot about Christmas. There was something different now, something Neely had not seen before. Just past the gate that led to the field house, there was a monument with a brick base and a bronze bust on it. Neely walked over to take a look. It was Rake, an oversized Rake with wrinkles on the forehead and the familiar scowl around the eyes, yet just a hint of a smile. He wore the same weathered Messina cap he'd worn for decades. A bronze Eddie Rake, at fifty, not the old man of seventy. Under it was a plaque with a glowing narrative, including the details that almost anyone on the streets of Messina could rattle off from memory. Thirty-four years as coach of the Spartans, four hundred and eighteen wins, sixty-two losses, 13 state titles, and from 1964 to 1970, an undefeated streak that ended at 84. It was an altar, and Neely could see the Spartans bowing before it as they made their way to the field each Friday night. The wind picked up and scattered.